want to thank you for joining us for One Times One. I'm Rob. And I'm Sue. And we are the Parkers. And so before we get started for our episode, we want to give a little shout out to our non-sponsor sponsor, which is what? The Plant Church. The, Woo! The Plant Church. I'm wearing a t-shirt. And so we've had fun the last couple of weeks. I've been preaching. You preached this past Sunday. And so I just thought like with our title, what we're going to be talking yeah. about. The plant's turning. It, it's... 12 and a half. It's 12 and a half. We're going to be 13 soon. We'll be 13 soon. soon. And, uh, but you had preached this past Sunday, and we really preached uh, both weeks on, a, on the same talk, topic, similar topics. Mm. And so our title for today is Sticks and Stones. Mm. Mm. Now, why are we calling it Sticks and Stones? How does the old childhood rhyme go? Sticks and stones may break by bones, but words will never hurt me. And that is false. <laughs> False. Words hurt. False. I would rather get hit in the face with a stick and hit in the head with a stone than have someone say something really bad about me. So true. So so tell them about my little bald spot. What, what happened here? Yeah, so Rob has a bald spot from uh, actually a rock thrown at his head when yeah. he was a little boy. Sticks and stones <laughs> actually did hurt me. It did, and it, it, it caused the hair follicles not to grow anymore. So yes. He has to constantly get a haircut so one side's a little bit longer. And Yeah, I got my first fade. And the guy kind of, I didn't know what he was doing. And I'm like, he's going way too short, too short, too short. And then he did like this little like cleanup thing around yeah. here. But, uh, but maybe I'll share that story a, a different day. But sticks and stones um, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, which is furthest from the truth. So It'd be great if that was the case, yeah, but it's not. Yeah. So, so what we want to do is we really want to talk about the power of our words. And so far, what we've done is we've done, you know, this is our 10th episode, right? Today's a big day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cheer. Woo. And it's one of those things that we, um, it's, it's been a fun journey, but we, we've seen little segment, segments of how we talk with one another, the importance of talking with one another, but they've been little segments throughout our stories. And I really wanted to, just after uh, this past Sunday, you preaching, the Sunday before me preaching, there's been a theme in the epistle of James about the importance of our words. And so why don't you just give us a little background and then we'll talk through it. Go, We'll banter back and forth for a little bit. So do you want me to talk about like what we've been studying or? Yeah, go for it. Yep. So today, um, you know, this week when I spoke, when we were talking about what we were going to speak on today, you know, we talked about words and how important words are when you say them to each other. And we've realized that we've made a lot of mistakes with our words to each other, to our children. But we've noticed that words really are destructive. Yeah. Words can really hurt somebody. And I think what's always been so, um, like, stand out in my head kind of attitude is that what might not hurt you can hurt me. Yeah. You know, like, you could say something in, to me and think, what's the big deal? But it actually really causes some deep, whether it's some wounds from childhood or something else, but can really cause pain. So I think, you know, for me, words have been really, really important. Um, I know with our children, by no means have we done it perfect, but I know that words can either be life-giving or destructing. Yeah, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your youth pastor, because I know you shared this this past Sunday. Share about someone who spoke really positive into your life. So I had a great youth pastor growing up um, through part of middle school and, and high school years, um, Ned Suffren. And he was wonderful. He was like, he made Jesus cool. Like, you know, he yep. made him tangible to me. It wasn't like, oh, it's God in the Bible. It was like, Jesus is your friend. And um, he was such an encourager. He would come to all sporting events. He would come to, you know, anything that we were 
a part of and he would encourage and really just speak life you know yeah. even when you were losing or weren't doing well he'd speak life into you and he taught the real value of I'll never forget this of when people hurt you how to respond and that was such an important um, like pivotal point in my life because as you're entering into those years of middle school and high school that are terrible they are brutal for hurting one another with words spoken over you by either peers or or whatever um, it was such an important thing for me to to learn from someone besides my family right because we always say oh our family of course they're gonna encourage us and tell us but this was great to hear it from somebody else yeah yeah and honestly for me is when I look back on my childhood I really do feel like it's a little bit different um, just kind of the mentors or were people who were supposed to be mentors in my life. I, I had two, two individuals that really scarred me. More, matter of fact, more than that, but I just want to share two. One was my varsity basketball coach. And being 6'5", there are such high expectations on you. And for me, is it, nothing was ever good enough for anybody it felt like, whether it be a coach, whether it be uh, a, someone older than me. There's always this high expectation that if I didn't accomplish the highest level of athletics, I was a failure. And I just remember how my, my uh, sophomore year, I actually played varsity basketball, started my junior year, and he was so hard on me that it had this horrific negative you know, negative effect. And then another individual was my guidance counselor. And because I had several different learning disabilities that really, uh, I really figured out We're later. Undiagnosed. Undiagnosed. I'll never forget some of the things that my guidance counselor had said to me that sat with me. And I really did feel like there was always something broken in me. I always felt stupid. I always felt behind the eight ball. I always felt like I could never, ever live up to stuff. And that was really before coming to faith and so I've, I've in some ways always felt like I was fighting these demons of never being able to live up to other people's expectations and and it's true the words you know whole different ball game and really although you've really processed through this and kind of um, you know know the truth of those words spoke over you that they weren't they still affect you to this day and this is you know this is something that's really true because when Rob watched our children play sports in high school you would often bring up the wounds that your coach caused you yeah yep and it was like deep yeah because i coached high school basketball right. i right. coached junior high basketball and so i was so apt to not do what was done to me yep and that was very very difficult yep. and we had, we had some very talented athletic kids and i had to make sure that i spoke life into them instead of death and, and you know it's one of the things that you had talked about this sunday the idea of speaking life into people rather than death. So let's talk about stages of communication. I think that's really important because when people meet and people are dating, how do people, like what's the front that people put on with communication? I, I think personally for us, I think we were like, we're never going to not share everything. Everything's going to always be, we're going to be fluent with communication with each other. Yeah. That's what I think most couples think. That's never going to happen to us what's happened to them, right? Like where communication lines get broken. Yeah. And the idea was when you're, when you're really putting your, your best foot forward, right. so you are speaking the best things, you're bringing up the best qualities, you're, you're bringing up everything you love about that individual. And so especially for new relationships, they would be crazy to start talking ill will against the other person or things they 
may not like yeah. about the person. Ladies, if a guy starts talking about your bad qualities week two. Yeah, no. get rid of them. Get rid of them. Yeah, and vice versa. Men, if you have someone that's putting way too much pressure on you, get rid of yeah. them. So so we had a pretty amazing engagement. We've, we've shared about it. We've shared about the joys. And li- literally, we had, a, we had a true fairy tale love story. Um, but one of the things that we're studying in, in church is this idea of the epistle of James. And we've been talking about the tongue and, and, our, and how we speak to one another. And our, and our sermon series is called Faith Under Pressure. So what happens is you meet, you date, you get engaged. There's not a lot of pressure. I mean, there's really not a, pl- a lot of pressure when it comes to like that first stage of relationship. It feels it, but in hindsight, you know it's not. Yeah, you're it's like, n- it's all fun stuff, right? Those were the easy days. Yeah, and, yeah. and if your dating and engagement is rough, please break off that engagement. Like, or please seek mentorship or counsel. Yes. I thought you were going to say medical help. No, 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 no. <laughs> Maybe medical help too. But uh, mentorship or counsel or somebody to, to kind of be able to see it from a different angle. I think that's important. Yeah. Well, we noticed that when we first got married, we had that first year honeymoon year. It was awesome. You know, it was great. We had a blast. Communication was great. Communi- everything was just perfect. And we had a honeymoon baby. We had a child with <laughs> nine months and we were... In the thick of life, I was having a real hard time at my job. I couldn't stand the place I was working. I was really struggling. We have this new baby who was colicky all the time, slept like four hours a night, and it really put some pressures on us, whether it be me unhappy with where I was working. Here we had this baby and colicky baby and just the pressures of just- and I was home all day. You were home all day. And our, all of a sudden, our- the way we spoke to one another changed. Can you share that? I think, like you said, all those factors played into it. And I think, um, unfortunately, when you're tired and you're stressed out and you're unhappy with situations around you, whether it be work or how come I can't make this baby happy, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, um, you know, unfortunately, the ones that you're closest to get the brunt of it. Yeah. Right? And you start your guard gets down. I think that's a safe thing to say that your guard gets down and you really start to just become angry. And I, I, the word I'm going to use is bitter. Like I was almost bitter that you would be out for work even no matter what it was, because I was not knowing what to do with a screaming baby for an evening or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we do is we oftentimes would use our words to try to get one another's attention. And at first it was all cute, but then it turned very vicious. And we went. And you know, I said this um, when I had um, spoke in church, but when you are so close with someone and you know them that intimately, you know exactly what to say that's going to get them, right? That's going to like get their goat, that's going to make them. And I think the intention is well, I know what to say in order to make him change. But in essence, I'm not making him change, I'm causing bitterness i'm causing anger i'm causing frustration resentment resentment yep. you know yeah and it, and it's it's interesting because girls get bitter guys get angry yep. guys start resenting and there's a big difference and i'll never forget when we did that retreat remember that when mm-hmm. when i i shared that with uh, everybody and then i explained it and, and the one person's like girls don't get bitter and i'm like okay you didn't hear me girls get bitter guys become resentful mm-hmm. there's a big difference yep. Um, but what happened was we started trying to use our communication in a negative way. We started saying things to each of one to one another to get each other's attention. 
and to change each one each other yep and we started saying things to one another that we would have never said to our worst enemy and i when i look back that is the greatest regret not only of, of our marriage but of my life how i tried to use my words as a weapon against you and once you say something you can't take it back you can't take it back share, share a little bit about the whole fire analogy that you had talked about so fire your words can be compared to fire right like the tongue when you speak like you can say something and sure i can say i'm sorry but unfortunately the damage is done and it's the same with looking at a fire like you can extinguish a fire or eventually it will run out of oxygen and it won't burn anymore but really the house that's being you know has is on fire is destroyed destroyed you can't get it back you can extinguish the fire but that fire the house will never be that house ever again and it's the same with words like you can ex you know i could say i'm so sorry for what i said but in there you're going to always remember those words i spoke over you yeah and the hard part is we say well i really didn't mean that well when you look at the bible it says out of the mouth the heart speaks what what good things are in the heart good comes out of your mouth yep. what bads in your heart comes out of your mouth and it's true like we say oh, i didn't really mean that well there's always a little truth in everything we say whether we want to agree with that or not there's always a little truth in it yep. especially in anger when you say things in anger that's often a time that what's really your insides are really feeling yeah and so year two was really rough mm -hmm. i mean we're, we're very transparent about our relationship like if we weren't people of faith and if we weren't really in the situations and maybe even the position that I was in, we may have gotten divorced. It was rough. It was rough. It was rough. And we- Because what we both learned that resentment and bitterness breed more resentment and bitterness. Yep. So if it's not identified and squashed, yeah. it keeps building. And that's what I think we really did wrong for us is we kind of just would have that real low and then we would perk back up to a high but we never dealt with the low. So that underlying pain was still there. Yeah, and, it, and it, let me just give a little clarity, and this is not to knock on anyone or anyone's families, but I'm gonna give examples of both. Mm -hmm. For Sue, growing up in a single parent, you and your mom would just fight it out. And, at the, and no matter how hard you fought or said what you said, it was just like they would just forget about it and move on. And like, they would say some rough things to one another in front of me, and I'm like, oh no, you did not. There's no way you just said that and your guys are going to be okay in the next 20 minutes. Well, when I grew up in a house full of boys, I mean, there was eight boys and par two parents, a house of 10 people. If you said something, they were fighting words. And I got to the point that when someone said something too vicious to me, I cut them off. I'm like, I'm done. So when we started to fight and using our words as tools of, of, of weaponry, it was almost like Sue's like, hey, we just got in a massive fight. We got to move on. Let's go out to dinner. And I'm like, no. If you want to talk like that, I'm going to say something back and I'm going to really mean what I said yep. and I'm going to emotionally cut you off. And so for year two, it was extremely difficult for us. Um, and we had another baby and we went on a retreat and we shared the story in the past and one of the first things they said is you're gonna go into your room tonight, you're gonna have the biggest fight you ever had, but then we're gonna start working on healing your relationship. And one of the first things they said was, turn to one another and the phrase was what? You're not my enemy. You're not my enemy. Because what happens in marriage is, our words pit each other against each other, yeah. 
and you literally become each other's enemy. Like you became my worst enemy year, year two of marriage. And, and I didn't, I don't believe that, but that's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what it felt like. We weren't on the same team. We weren't on the same no team. No way. We, we weren't even on the same court. And so in that, it was a very, very difficult time. And I'll never forget, I went on that retreat thinking, okay, God, you're going to change Sue, and she's going to apologize, and everything's going to be great. And what were you thinking? Same thing. <laughs> he needs a lot of work. Hopefully this works for him. <laughs> but I'll never forget, at the end of the retreat, I remember getting into the little red Jeep and just being like, you know what? I'm wrong. I need to take responsibility. I'm sorry. And so we really started to work on how we communicated with one another. We really chose to do different things. And I think one of the best things that we did with with our kids, right? Talk to us about high lows. So we we started this years ago. I don't really know when, but um, we started at the dinner table. We, you know, when we have dinner times, we purposely have dinner. It's not just we sit. We really try to make it guided conversations, talking about our days. But Rob started this thing years ago, what's called your high and your low. So what's your high for the day and what's your low for the day? Sometimes we're in seasons of just highs. We'll just say highs. But it's good to say the lows because it's a great way to kind of bring it all out. We get to talk as a family, encourage each other. Um, the, the lows can't be about someone at the table. We've made that very clear all along just so you know we can really encourage each other. But it has been a huge time for our family to be able to first of all learn about each other yeah know what's going on in each other's lives and also really just to encourage each other i think that's that's been really important yeah and it was an opportunity to at times bring good things up about one another yep because we saw as our kids were getting older they started nitpicking one another they started fighting with one another they started saying you know irresponsible things to one another and they were hurting one another and for one of our children, he thought he was being funny, but he was really wounding another individual. And, and I'll never forget, we had a full-out brawl on the beach where one son got so fed up with the other brother that he just attacked him. And we've never had a full-out fist fight between our kids. It was the only one. It was the only one. And it was all because of what was being said to one another. The mocking, the taunting. The thinking they're being funny when but actually they're being hurtful. But that's it. It wasn't hurtful. meant to be deceitful from the person who was giving it, but the person who was receiving it took it that way. Yeah. You know? Yep. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about how we transitioned from how we used to communicate in moments that we were really under pressure to how we're doing now. Because we were really in a tough place where we just spatted things off all the time, but then we changed it up. How, what were some of the little things that we had done? So I think something that we both learned um, after that year two is we have to be able to listen to the other person, um, why they're feeling what they're feeling and not react. That, that's big for me, being able to listen to what he has to say and not right away just react to what he's saying. So I think that was a part we just, you know, I knew that there's no one more who I love on this earth than Rob. So. I was either going to fix this and we were going to work on this or it was going to not work. And this was going to be a miserable fighting relationship, really, to be honest. So I knew at that point I had to start listening more to him, knowing that he was not my enemy and he was not doing things purposely against me. If I was taking it that way, then I need to like listen to why he's doing things a certain way because I will see his heart when I listen. Yeah. Yep. And it was one of those things that too, we had to create space. Because we, we were so like, because we're so passionate, it was mm-hmm. like we wouldn't 
you know, it was that whole idea like we're not going to bed, you know, angry. And so we would stay up and fight when basically sometimes we should have taken a little space. Right. We should have taken a little space. And so one of the things that we we have to practice now, other couples are good at this, getting a little more space with one another. When we are really angry with one another, we want to not only talk it out, we want to fight it out. And what we had to learn to do is we needed to stop fighting it out, take a little space and learn to talk it out because two passionate people can change the world or they can blow up their own world. And so one of the things that we had to really, really do was learn to reposition how we were communicating with one another. That's good. Yeah. What else? I think we needed to learn to say the words, I'm sorry. Um, often I think when we say, when we think we say we're sorry, it's almost showing defeat. Like I'm giving in, but I'm sorry is a real humble act to show someone that you care about them. You know, I know for me, it's, it's more, Rob's very good at apologizing. I think it's more difficult for me in some aspects. So I've had to learn to say, I'm sorry that I hurt you, or I'm sorry that I said that to you. That's been really big. Yeah. And for me is I'm so quick to apologize that Sue always says, well, your sorrows mean nothing because you really don't mean it. You're just trying to fix it. And it's one of those things that I've had to really process through. So when I don't say I'm sorry quick enough, what happens to you? You get upset. I get upset because <laughs> I'm so used to him saying yep. sorry right sorry, away. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, but it's one of those things that we've had to really learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things too is we've had to really, and this is something that you've been really good with, with our kids, really helping our kids learn to communicate with one another. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about that? I think the number one thing that I feared being a parent was that I would have children that would not have a relationship. That was something always that was just very, I don't, I don't even know why, because I didn't have siblings to even know that that existed, but I was always fearful of that. And I think that that was something that I wanted to make sure from the start that our kids were able to talk to each other, no matter what, in love to each other. And that's been a really big thing for me. So I think from a young age, we started, we, we talked about stuff. We hashed it out together. We learned how to communicate healthier to say something to someone in love versus just out of anger. Yeah. And the truth is this, what you really believe and what you really value comes out to those who are totally. closest to you. Yep. And not only to your family, but to your closest friends, to your extended family. And those are the people who know us, know us best. And so the real thing is, is how do we learn to really allow ourselves to control what we need to say and what we want to say. We have to learn to control, control what we need to say and what we want to say, because what's really important is what we need to say more than what we want to say. So you gave some really good uh, pointers this Sunday. What, what, what's a couple of them that you had shared with us about about the whole idea of taming the tongue. So so it's humanly impossible is what I'm realizing. Because our nature, especially if you are passionate like we are, our nature is to just go at it, right? Just to attack. So for me, I have really learned that like the power of prayer and praying that Jesus tames my tongue and shuts my mouth when it needs to be shut has been a huge thing for me. Yep. I, I loved something that you had said one of your points. You said we need to learn to listen better so we can speak wiser. We need to learn to listen better so we can speak wiser. Because when you listen better, it's almost like you're doing that count to 10 in your head before you speak, right? Because you have to listen. So then you've taken that deep breath 
And usually that it's not going to, you're not going to scream at that first. Usually the, the scream or the attack is that initial response. Yeah. But when you take that time to listen to someone, you've cooled down a little bit and you can proceed. Yeah. And they say, you know, God created us with two ear, ears and one mouth. So we can listen two thirds of the time. So we can only speak one third of the time. And how much hmm. do we speak of our life? Did you say? A fifth of our life is spent A fifth speaking. of our life. That's a lot That's of jabber. a lot jabber. of words. That's a lot of jabber. A lot of jabber. And so for us, is we have to really learn to tame our tongue. It's like the horse in James. It talks about the horse in a bit. That, that little bit controls where that horse goes. It's like uh, the rudder and the boat. That little rudder, which is a, a small portion of the boat, really directs where that boat is going to go. And it's like a, a spark. Mm -hmm. A little spark can cause major wildfires taking place. Um, I think the thing we have to realize is that what we speak over people sits within people. And a wrong thing spoken over someone can produce death. And the right thing spoken over someone can produce life. And I think it's important to really identify that in this day and age that we're in it's not just the spoken word it's social media it's text messaging it's email these are just as decisive if not more than words yeah i think yep. that's so important social media is such a cause of great anguish for people it causes divide it causes um it brings out emotions i mean i see grown women having issues because of social media of something yeah. they saw or how they were excluded or didn't people didn't like their photo i mean it is it is decisive, yeah. divisive, divisive. Divisive, yep. Yeah, it's true. And it's one of those things that it's even for me, I hate text messaging. People are always like, hey, why don't you text me? Because I don't, I can't see them. And so Sue gets mad because whenever whenever you send me a long text, what do I what do I text back? K. 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 Because I want to, because sometimes she'll text me and what's the, your famous um, symbol? I like to do like the question mark explanation. It's not like a bad thing. It's like, it feels horrible. Hey, it's a question it, and it I'm passionate me. about that question. Yeah. And he takes it. It kills me. I don't it, know. It, it throws me off. When people like send something and it's like an exclamation point, please don't do this. If you're a friend of mine, please don't do this. Cause I'm going to call you up. It just throws me. It th maybe it's like because I'm a middle child. Three exclamation points are rough for you. It, it, it's I'm a middle child. I got some wounds, you know, I got some, <laughs> some, some, uh, flinching going on in my soul. And, and so for me is I don't, I don't do a lot of texting because it, for me, it just becomes very unhealthy. Um, help help us understand, like, what's the one thing that you really want to speak into your kids? What's that one thing? I want my kids to know that that we love them and that they felt affirmed by us in every stage of their life. I want them to know that even when we've disagreed with some choices they've made, maybe that's something we don't really agree or not how we raise them, but they're still loved and we're going to show them love through the whole thing. Yeah. And you can disagree mm -hmm. and still show love. Absolutely. You can totally disagree with a child or with one another and still speak it in love. And I think that's what Jesus did. I think when you look at the woman at the well, mm -hmm. you look at Nicodemus, you, you look at the um, the man of Gerasene, you look at all these different individuals. It's not that Jesus said what they what they wanted to hear. They actually was very at times the opposite, but it's that it's how he spoke it. Yep. It's the compassion. It's the grace. It's the mercy. It's the it's the love plus truth. 
right? The love plus truth. That's important because loving and truth have to go together. Yep. Right? Like we can't be afraid to tell our children truth. Yep. Nor one another. Exactly. Nor one another. Nor one another. Yep. Right? Like we need, you need to be able to tell me the truth, even if I'm not going to like it. Yep. Right? Yep. I, I even love in James where it says, you know, be um, slow to speak, quick to listen. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, slow to become angry. And, and really what James was talking about is like, you know, look at truth and don't prejudge it. Yep. Because the truth wants to bring life out of, life into you. Um, one thing that you've done really, really good with communicating is you've really helped me understand um, my insecurities and speak into my insecurities when they're at an all-time high. I think that's something that you've done really, really good. And the one thing you never did was you've never used that against me. Now, in the past, when you'd get mad, you'd find other ways to get mad at me. Mm. But you never took those areas that I'm most sensitive to cut me down. And so I really have really appreciated that about you. Um, I also think that, you know, being growing up in a, in a single parent home, that there was a lot of affirming that you had received to be able to give to other people. What's a, a final, final thought that you could give to our listeners? I think it's important to realize that words that are being spoken or texted or typed or social media, you name it, there is always somebody listening, whether it's the person receiving it or if you have children in the home, they're hearing it. I think it's so important to know that your words are affecting many people. If you're at work and you're speaking to someone and other people are hearing it, like your words have the power to give life to someone or to really cause them to be like derailed. So I think that's just such an important thing to remember as we speak. It's funny when you, when you think about that whole idea of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? I'm the rubber, you're the glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and what? Sticks, sticks to you. To you. <laughs> and oftentimes when you would hear those said, there were little boys saying those against each other. Because little boys, what they used to do, and they don't do this now, and trust me, I'm not condoning this. I'm Can't not condoning this. Now. Can't do it now. They used to fight it out. Mm-hmm. They would fight it out, and they'd be best buddies. They'd have a sleepover by Friday night. But girls wouldn't do that. And they use their tongues as a form of a sword. And it's very interesting when you watch men fight verbally and women fight verbally. And I think it's really important for our kids and one another to watch each other how we fight, how we talk, how we communicate. How do we fight fair? How do we communicate properly? How do we build one another up? even when we have to confront certain aspects mm-hmm. of a conversation. And we really have gotten to a place now where our words mean everything. Once you post it, it's posted. Yep. It's posted. Once you say it, people will hold that and hold it against you. And I think the best advice that, that I can give myself and give to our listeners, learn to listen more and speak less because when you speak less your words mean a whole lot more a whole lot more and i've noticed that with with you or our kids when i go silent you're quicker to hear you're quicker to hear what i really want to say and when i go silent it means i'm thinking about how do i position myself 
to position my words in such a way that they will hear what I'm really trying to And we've noticed that with our children too. Yeah. Going silent is difficult for them. It's, it's difficult for them. So with that, our, our theme today is sticks and stones. Choose your words wisely because you have the power to bring life or death to the people you love the most. And I want to bring life to you, Me not too. death. So we want to thank you for joining us for One Times One. I'm Rob. And I'm Sue. And we are the Parkers. Have a great week, everyone.